Coming up on Harvard Chan This Week in Health, a spike in overdose deaths linked to opioids, what's driving the increase and the new recommendations for doctors. Plus, thinking of getting a new job in 2016? How big life changes could affect your health insurance. And the importance of mindfulness. We'll share some strategies to battle holiday stress. Hello and welcome to Harvard Chan This Week in Health. I'm Amy Montemiro. And I'm Noah Levitt. Topping our news this week, a disturbing surge in the number of deadly opioid overdoses in the United States. According to new numbers from the Centers for Disease Control, the number of deaths from heroin overdoses jumped 28% in 2014, while the number of fatal ODs linked to prescription painkillers increased 16%. In all, there were more than 29,000 deaths linked to heroin or prescription painkillers. The spike in deaths comes as public health officials try to combat opioid abuse. As part of that strategy, the CDC this week issued new guidelines on how primary care physicians should prescribe painkillers. According to the Washington Post, the guidelines urge doctors to treat chronic pain with other methods such as physical therapy or non-opioid drugs before turning to more powerful medications. If opioids are prescribed, the CDC says that clinicians should opt for short-acting versions over extended release formulas, prescribe the lowest dose possible, and write short-term prescriptions. We spoke about the CDC report and those new guidelines with Monica Burrell, Commissioner of the Massachusetts Department of Public Health and a Harvard Chan alum. Burrell says that the state had more than 1,200 overdose deaths in 2014, and she says that prevention efforts can often start in the doctor's office. In our online prescription monitoring system, we have recorded over 4.6 million prescriptions, resulting in over 259 million pills. When we look at our prevention um, methods, of course we need to be focused on young people and try and catch them before they are getting addicted and also as they're early on in a potential disease pattern. However, we know from the prescription monitoring system that most of these opiate painkillers in Massachusetts are prescribed to individuals in the age group of 50 to 71. So what that tells us from a public health approach is that we have to together do much more work with our older individuals and communities to make sure that individuals know the side effects of opiate medications and how to store them and importantly how to discard any excess use. Burrell adds that the state is also working to reduce the stigma attached with opioid addiction so people will seek treatment. A new study out this week indicates that most cancers are not due to bad luck and in fact most can be avoided. Researchers from Stony Brook University say most cancers can be linked to things like exposure to toxic chemicals, from cigarettes for example, or radiation from the sun. This study seems to clash with research published earlier this year that suggested certain cancers were the result of bad luck and would be relatively resistant to prevention efforts. According to the Guardian newspaper, the Stony Brook researchers specifically examined the contribution of environmental factors to cancer risk. For example, data showing that people who migrated from regions with lower cancer risk to those with higher cancer risk soon developed diseases at rates consistent with their new environment. Earlier this year, Harvard Chan School Dean David Hunter explained why most cancers are indeed preventable. Read his comments by visiting hsph.me slash cancer prevention. The Obama administration says there was a, quote, unprecedented demand this year to sign up for insurance under the Affordable Care Act. That's right, Amy. And because of that, the administration extended the sign-up deadline from December 15th to December 17th. 
Millions of people have now signed up for coverage that will take effect on January 1st. And a new year can often mean big decisions and big changes, such as new jobs or new additions to a family. Those changes can also affect your health insurance. So as you're maybe considering these big decisions, what are some things to keep in mind throughout 2016? We spoke with Benjamin Summers, Assistant Professor of Health Policy Economics at the Harvard Chan School. And he started off by saying there's another important key deadline to keep in mind. If you did miss that December 17th deadline to sign up under the Affordable Care Act, you'll actually have one more chance. If you sign up by January 31st, your coverage will take effect on March 1st. After that point, you can only sign up for coverage in the marketplaces if you've had a qualifying event like getting married or losing other insurance or, or, or having a baby, that sort of thing. So for, for people who don't get their insurance through work, uh, this is really the time right now and over the next month and a half, uh, go to healthcare.gov uh, or, the, or, or the right website for your state. If you don't know it, you can start at healthcare.gov and it'll kick you there. And then you can explore what you might be eligible for. Um, if, you're low, if your incomes are low enough, you potentially qualify for free coverage through Medicaid. Um, if you are um, uh, slightly higher incomes, you might get significant uh, assistance with a tax credit that will make uh, private insurance on the marketplace much more affordable. And so you talked about kind of those uh, major life events, and maybe one of those is, you know, you've committed in 2016 to getting a new job. Uh, so if you, if you do end up getting a new job, maybe you take a new job, maybe you just straight up resign from your current job. What are some healthcare considerations people should be aware of? If you are getting insurance through work, um, and you're about to, to leave that job and maybe start out at a new job or go back to school and you won't have coverage, uh, that's a, a time where you would be eligible to go on the marketplaces to healthcare.gov and sign up, even if it wasn't still during the open enrollment. And definitely worth doing that in advance, kind of take a look at the options, figure out what might be best for you. And when you're switching coverage, it really is important to think about, I think, uh, um, those two issues I mentioned, which is you know your providers. If you already have a regular primary care doctor and you, you like him or her and want to stay with them, when you're picking a new plan, you want to make sure that that's still uh, an option for you, that that provider takes that insurance and that that's still a network so that you can see them. And similarly, if you have a chronic condition and are on a, a medication and need to stay on that medication or more than one, uh, you want to be sure that the plans you pick are going to cover that so that you don't have a, a significant disruption. One of the other major life events we could talk about would be if you're a parent and you have a son or daughter where they're 25 and still covered by your insurance, but they might be turning 26 in the coming year. What should be some considerations there? If you have a, an offer of coverage through your employer, you want to kind of consider the options um, and, and make that switch. But if you don't have that, either because you're in school or your job doesn't offer it, um, you're, you know, you're a great candidate to, to go on healthcare.gov. If you're in school and have very low income, you might qualify for Medicaid. Um, if you have a higher income, uh, get some help and, and purchase that private coverage. And for many young adults, this will be the first time they're doing their own shopping. Um, and so you really want to make sure that you, uh, if you aren't familiar with the terms of things like a deductible, of a copay and premiums, you know, ask someone who is. Uh, maybe if you're on your parents' plan, uh, have that conversation with them. Or um, you can also reach out for assistance when you apply for coverage you know, through the Navigator programs and other um, programs that the marketplaces have set up to provide information and help people um, can get through that process of applying. You know, looking ahead to this year, are there any things that people should be looking at with their plans that um, things they might be covered for that they didn't realize or potential things they can take advantage of through their insurance plan, either through the marketplace or through their employer? The Affordable Care Act made some important changes that applied really to most private plans, whether you get it through work or through the, the marketplace. And, and that's the, the fact that preventive services uh, that are re recommended preventive services are covered without cost sharing. 
And that's really important because um, some of these plans have deductibles that might be several thousand dollars before they kick in with full coverage. That deductible doesn't apply to preventive services like pap smears, mammograms, colonoscopies for adults over 50. All of those things, as well as immunizations that are recommended, get covered with no cost sharing. The insurance companies have to provide that and they have to pay the cost to really encourage people to get the preventive care that we know is is both uh, good for health and cost effective. So Amy, what is the price of clean air? Well, for one restaurant in Beijing, China, it's about 15 cents. Well, Noah, according to the New York Times, a restaurant in the city has been tacking that amount onto bills as a, quote, clean air fee. The owner defended the fee by saying it was used to purchase nine air purifiers inside the restaurant. This comes a week after the city declared its first ever red alert due to smog effectively shutting down the city of 20 million people for several days. As you would expect, this outraged people in China and around the world, and the restaurant's owners now say that they have stopped charging the fee. And that red alert ended last week, but conditions in Beijing are still dangerous. As of Tuesday, December 15th, the level of fine particulate matter in the air, which is considered the most dangerous to humans, was more than 10 times the maximum level set by the World Health Organization. And finally, this episode, Noah, let's talk about stress. Yeah, Amy, the holiday season can be full of it, from traveling to last-minute shopping. There are a lot of these daily annoyances that that occasionally pop up. Yeah, it it can sometimes feel like the holiday season is the adult equivalent of finals week, where we're all just doing the best we can to get through to the end of December. And we all get through New Year's, and then we have a long winter to look forward to. (laughs) We're supposed to be managing stress here, not adding to it. (laughs) So if you do do want to manage the stress and manage those daily annoyances that pop up, We have some advice. During a panel discussion hosted by the Forum at the Harvard Chan School, Ellen Langer, a professor of psychology at Harvard University, said that practicing mindfulness is a good place to start. When you're stressed, all of your resources uh, go to deal with the stress and are not available to promote healthy living. For me, the bottom line to a great deal of this stress is our mindlessness. After 40 years of research on this, I'm reasonably sure that most of us, much of the time, are mindless. We're not there, we're not there to know we're not there. And we have an illusion of stability. So we're holding things still while things are changing. And what that means, in order to experience stress, you have to see that there's um, an event that you believe will happen, and that if it happens, it's going to be terrible. And both of those are mindless. Uh, There are big stressors, things like loss of job, war, uh, death of a family member, But then what matters most to most of us are the daily hassles, and those are the things we have most control over. As I was driving over here, the GPS system reminded me that if I'm driving and the person next to me says make a right, and I don't make a right, havoc can break out. You're supposed to make, and getting crazy, and you have a GPS system that calmly says recalculating. And, and there's a lesson we can take from that. We assume that life is such we have to feel um, this kind of stress that results in uh, an inability to concentrate, um, anxiety, we become um, irritable, angry at each other, and um, the larger part of that is unnecessary, I think. And so for me, mindfulness is the key. 
Good advice there. Um, I'm going to uh, really try remembering the phrase recalculating when we're traveling this year. So thank you for that, Noah. Use your GPS to travel and then think like your GPS in stressful situations. Excellent. That's the takeaway. Well, and that's all for Harvard Chan This Week in Health. I'm Amy Montemiro. And I'm Noah Levitt. And we'll be taking a couple of weeks off and we'll return in early January with new episodes. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes U. Just search for Harvard University or find it on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash harvardpublichealth. And as always, you can visit hsph.harvard.edu to stay up to date on the latest health news. Music